So, John, what would you do if you were told a meteor was about to hit the Earth? I actually have a plan for this situation, Harry. Okay. I think it's a good one. So, <laughs> I've cracked it. Well, we'll so, see. Yeah. Well, in this lovely region of the UK that we live in, Yorkshire, mm. there happens to be the UK's highest pub. It's called the Tanhill Inn. Mm-hmm. I think it's about 1,700 feet above sea level. Mm-hmm. So, first thing I'll do is gather anyone who wanted to come with me and make my way up there. And then I would proceed to get very, very, very drunk. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a solid plan. Seems like a win-win. Well, I mean, well, you, you have to wait and see. Uh, by saying that you're going to go to the, the world's highest pub or whatever it is. The UK's highest pub. UK's highest pub. All it does is it increases the likelihood that you're going to die first because you're higher up than everybody else. Uh, only, well, how do you mean? The tidal wave hit people. Ah, but what if the meteor hit land, land straight on Oh, do you think it, what if it strafes the pub and just knocks me off? Well, yeah. that would just be deliciously ironic. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome everybody to Beyond the Box Set, the podcast where we pitch prequels, sequels and spin-offs to films that don't have any. I'm Harry, joining me as always is John. Hello. It's disaster movie season, it so is. let's pick this disaster of a movie apart. Mm-hmm. Deep Impact. Deep Impact, yes. Your choice, John. It was, because I feel like we needed to do a classic disaster mm-hmm. movie. I mean, in many ways, Geostorm and Knowing are classics in a certain way, mm-hmm. but they're both kind of pretty much bad movies, mm-hmm. I think it's fair to say. They're not mm-hmm. the highest quality. I mean, this movie, Deep Impact... Oh, it's not a perfect movie. Far from a perfect movie. But, it, but it, it, it's a movie with an element of quality. Definitely, yeah. There is... And because of its age and its scale, yeah. at the time at least, mm-hmm. it's definitely a classic. I would say so. I think it's got a certain... There's certain things about it that make it a classic. It's, it's stood... Somewhat stood the test of time, I think. Mm-hmm. So I thought it'd be interesting to talk about it, compare it to the films we've done so far, and yeah. just see how we felt. I've so. got to say, special effects in this film... Considering it's 98, it's actually pretty damn good. Mostly holds up. There's a yeah. couple of iffy moments, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But on the whole, yes, I think it holds up pretty well. Probably because it doesn't use too much. Mm. I think it's not like a Michael Bay. Obviously, this came out the same year as Armageddon. That's mm-hmm. one of the most famous things about it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not rewatched Armageddon recently, so I can't say if the visuals hold up as well on that. But I would imagine that's a lot more like explosion and special effects driven because it's Michael Bay. Yeah, well, uh, actually, there's there's not such a great amount of it in that. They they, they start off, in, in Armageddon, the only special effects are, at the start, New York gets hit by a series of meteors, mm-hmm. and it looks really good. Okay. And then other than that, there's not really anything until they actually blow up the meteor in space at the end. So, yeah, there's not that much going for it there. Okay. But I think this film... Oh, no, wait, that's the one where Paris gets destroyed. That's a pretty good effect. Okay. Yeah, Paris goes. Okay. <laughs> I love your simmering resentment towards Paris. It's my sort of <laughs> Really, just hate the French. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think this for deep impact. I do think it's not really about the disaster element as much. Well, no, it is, it's... but it's not about the special effects. It's not a special effects driven movie. Mm. I think it's, it's much more of a character driven movie, mm-hmm. which is kind of why I like it because yeah. sometimes I get bored with movies that are just all special effects. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. On the whole, I had some reservations. I'd forgotten how bleak this film is. It's very depressing. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think because you've recently watched Chernobyl and you've been talking about that a lot, and so there's, there's been kind of a lot of 
kind of noise around you know natural disasters and apocalyptic kind of stuff and I guess we are doing this whole season but like mm-hmm. I don't know I just I was watching this I was like god this is so depressing I, I don't really have the emotional bandwidth for this right now mm-hmm. it gave me real like Titanic vibes yeah it did it's basically the second half of Titanic on a bigger scale in many yeah. Ways. yeah yeah it is it's, because Titanic's very character driven as well but it is yes in a, in a different way I and, think it's the same it spends the first half establishing characters mm-hmm. and the second half Dealing with the fallout of... Killing them. Killing them, basically, yeah. yes. Killing them and putting them in a situation where they know they're going to die. Yeah. Or they know they're likely to die and they're having to kind of confront it. Yeah. So, yeah, kind of a kind of a bleak watch. Not not like in a really, really unpleasant way. I mean, what did you think? I know you've seen it before because you've done it on your other podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did it on Two Geeks, Two Movies, obviously mm-hmm. comparing it to Armageddon. Mm-hmm. So, so many similarities. They do have the it's exact unreal. same plot in many ways. Yeah, things like, they? oh yeah, we're going to uh, land on a meteor and drill some nukes into it and blow it up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, it didn't work first time or whatever. <laughs> so now we've got to sacrifice ourselves. Yeah, it's insane. Do you know <laughs> that obviously they can't they can't have known when they were in production that they were going to have two movies come out literally within months of each other with the mm-hmm. same plot? In the speech Morgan Freeman gives, I think the first one when he announces to the world what's going on. Mm-hmm. Originally, in that speech, there was a line that was supposed to be in the trailer, mm. and the line was, "This is not Armageddon." <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously, when they realised they had to cut that line from the whole film because it would have been far too on the nose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if that's true or not, but it's on IMDb and I liked it. So. Mm, yeah. <laughs> a little over a year ago, two American astronomers, Marcus Wolf and Leo Biedemann, working on a mountaintop in Arizona, saw something say in the night sky that caused them great concern. A comet. But the comet was, well. There was a remote possibility that the comet was on a path that could bring it into direct contact with the Earth. Now, we get hit all the time by rocks and meteors, some of them the size of cars, some no bigger than your hand. But the comet we discovered is the size of New York City, from the north side of Central Park to the Battery, about seven miles long. Put another way, this comet is larger than Mount Everest. It weighs... um, okay, well, before we start talking our, uh, pitching our sequel ideas, John, do you want to do a plot summary? Sure, yeah. Uh, so, Deep Impact, kind of a ensemble film. Mm-hmm. It's not got one star. No? I would also say not a lot of stars, period. It's got a few people in this who I'm like, is this somebody I should know? Mm. Like, should I know who this is? Yeah. Like, pretty much the main woman, whatever her name Taylor is. Taylor Leone. Yeah. Taylor, yeah. And her parents. Everybody seems to have just a kind of a grandeur of like, yes, I've I've been in many a film and everybody <laughs> knows me. Yeah, no, I would argue that the biggest stars in this film probably are Robert Duvall, who's mm-hmm. um, the older space captain guy, yeah. and Vanessa Redgrave, who plays the mom. Okay. Although she's got a tiny part in this, but she has like six Oscar nominations. And she's mm-hmm. a, a legend of British cinema. Probably Morgan Freeman's the, the biggest guy in this. Was he? Oh, actually, no, that's fair. Okay, you're right. Morgan Freeman. He, he was really big at this point. No, he was, he was. Yeah. Okay, he was the biggest star. And then, but yeah, it's a lot of people who are like, a lot of the, old, the older people are the big stars. The younger mm. cast, you know, Elijah Wood, this is pre-Lord of the Rings. So he I was known. one of his first movies, really. Yeah, I think he'd done like Flipper or something. I don't know. Okay, yeah. And um, yeah, Taylor only did bits and bobs, never really became a huge star. And who else is it? Like, She's so, so boring in this. I've never seen anybody more uncharismatic. I do not enjoy her as an actress. I was going to say, yeah, I don't like her very much, to be honest. I get that she was supposed to be playing a part where, like, she's unhappy with, you know, mm-hmm. her parents and stuff. And, you know, she's found out this horrible, horrible news 
that the world's going to end mm-hmm. and she's for a while the only person who seems to know it and and it's just I, I get that but also like come on give me something to work with here no I agree I completely agree I, with you I just wasn't rooting for her at all I find I, I don't mean to be too harsh you know, but but I find that she has two modes as an actress she is mm-hmm. either super boring like she is in this just mm-hmm. really stiff and wooden or she is incredibly annoying mm-hmm. she is in Jurassic Park 3 oh well, don't even like those movies anyway. No, so no, yeah, sure. I'm sure you'll never see it. It's the worst one. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I've not rewatched it in a long time, so I don't know how how it compares. That's to... the worst one of a franchise that I already don't like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No. <laughs> she plays like a mother who loses her son on Jurassic Park Island. Thing. Mm. It is easily in my top five most annoying performances I've ever seen. Yeah. She is just so shrill and irritating and screamy for the whole film, and it's just. You are willing the dinosaurs to eat her. And spoiler alert, they never do. It's oh. very frustrating. So yeah, and she's been in other things. She's in Spanglish, which is a terrible movie that she's not very good in. I just... I just Whatever her appeal is, I don't get it. Mm. I, I don't think she... I think she's a real weak link in this because she's like supposed to be your emotional way in. Mm. And you're right, she's just... Quite... She's the one who blink, brings a few plots together. Yeah, absolutely. Like she's, she's kind of the, the central thread. She's mm. always, you could argue she's the lead. like, mm. But... Yeah, she's dull. And mm-hmm. when she's supposed to be a newsreader, mm-hmm. I was watching her doing the news. I was like, you're not good at this. No, she's awful. You're so stiff and wooden. You're not the one people are going to want to tune in for. There's a no. reason you've not made it this far. Because yeah. She also has a really weird habit of talking out the side of her mouth like this, which really distracted me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just strange. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. She, I would agree. She was definitely the weak link in this mm. film. She would have been fine for a newsreader if everybody else was dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like she's the last resort. Like. Yeah, yeah. Because the way the way that she was, like she, you know, when she's reading out that fax and like she gets to the end, and she's like, and that's it. There's no more. Mm. There, that, that, there's no, there's nothing more in the fax or anything. There's, there's no more for me to say. Yeah. It's like yeah, okay, but like say something else. <laughs> Talk. You're a newscaster. Just keep talking. Keep mm-hmm. talking until you're told not to. Mm-hmm. And mm, yeah. yeah. Well, I just felt like that was a potentially haunting moment, but I didn't land with me emotionally because I didn't really care for it. Mm. Same with the bit, like the bit with her dad at the beach is lovely. It's a lovely image, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, but yeah, I, don't, I just wish somebody else was playing that role. Yeah. Somebody you'd really like fall for and want to see them survive and yeah. you'd really feel it more. She just, I think, yeah, I think there's a reason she never really ascended to like the A-list, you know, considering. I think, um, oh, I've forgotten her name, but from Silence of the Lambs. Jodie Foster. Jodie Foster could have been very good, yeah. Mm. She's got a similar vibe, I think, yeah. you know, but, but better. Like, yeah, she's yeah, like the, exactly, yeah. the better version of what Taylor is doing here. So it's quite serious, mm-hmm. you know, quite, but, but and, and not hugely like emotive, but mm. also you can tell something's going on in, inside. Like, yeah. The best Jodie Foster performances, like, like in Silence of the Lambs, like, she doesn't do a lot of emoting, but mm-hmm. you can really tell you know, what she's going through. Mm. Yeah, she would have been great. How much mm. she been in this? Yeah. She was in contact, though, about the same time, and I think that was probably a disaster movie too far for her. So, sure, you know, sure. Or a space movie too far. Sure. She can't be in everything. <laughs> and this film was directed by Mimi Lader, so mm. it's a rare example of a big blockbuster action movie directed by a woman. Mm. Which uh, I think you can really tell, actually. Mm-hmm. I could really tell because, A, I think as it tells a, more, a slightly more personal story, it's not just, hey, look how big of an explosion I can make. Mm-hmm. But also, this film passes the Bechdel test with flying colours. You know, I didn't even notice. Yeah, but it really does. You know the Bechdel test, is right? Yeah, yeah. It's where two women will talk about... If, if there's a scene featuring two women having a conversation or something other than a man, mm. and this film has that all over, it's got women everywhere. There's a woman in the, on, you know, there's a woman on the space crew. Mm-hmm. Taylor Leone is working with, you know, the room full of journalists. It's very diverse. It's got loads of women, loads of people of color. Mm-hmm. That was one thing I really enjoyed. About it. I was like, yeah, this film isn't just a bunch of men saving, not just a bunch of white men saving the world. It's mm-hmm. like, it shows everyone. It's great. So yeah. that I really enjoyed about it. I think it's got a lot of things going for it. Mm. Plot wise, it's kind of a 
it's muddled. It's lot. all over the place. Yeah, it's it's. I would say there's three separate strands to the plot. Okay. So the first one is uh, we we have the Elijah Wood plot. Mm-hmm. So Elijah Wood, itty bitty pre Lord of the Rings. He's probably like fifteen or something at this point. Mm-hmm. He is a amateur astronomer, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like Just a, in like an after school club. Yeah, a late night after school yeah. thing. He's flirting with Lily Sobieski with a heavy heavy bangs. Yeah. Yeah, so he's stargazing and he spots something unusual in the sky mm-hmm. that he can't identify. Mm-hmm. And so his teacher, I guess, sends it to, well, sends it to the set of Jurassic Park. Yeah, yes. <laughs> the Jurassic Park computer lab, the generic 90s computer lab, mm-hmm. um, where the late night astronomer and his horrible, horrible 90s computers kind of <laughs> interpret the data and figure out that it's actually a meteor that's on course to mm-hmm. hit Earth. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is being an astronomer like being a lighthouse keeper? Mm. Are you just con- is there always someone there at night just watching? It seemed weird to me that he was on his own in what must be a big facility, and it was like clearly in the middle of the night. It seemed odd that he was on his own, but I mean, surely you understand why it's in the middle of the night. Because it's the oh, okay, astronomy shot. Okay, <laughs> yeah, okay, point taken. So does somebody constantly have to watch in the stars? Um, I mean, they don't have to be. It's... Mm-hmm. This it, whole intro just confused it, it, me because I don't know what it was for, other than to establish that there's a meteorite strike. But yeah, yeah, um, a lot happens that doesn't really matter. Well, yeah, because so it gets sent to just this this local guy mm-hmm. who then is like, oh my goodness, throws his pizza down. <laughs> um, <laughs> that rank-looking pizza. Yeah, <laughs> and he tries to get in touch with you know the authority or NASA or something. Mm-hmm. He, he He's trying to establish a connection to some kind of a server. With his MS-DOS and his floppy disks. And yeah. Oh, it gave me such bad 90s computer PTSD. Oh, God, yeah, right? yeah. And so he, I guess he can't get in touch with NASA no. or whatever. And he clearly or, doesn't own a landline. Or use a phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, come on. Yeah. Is it, was he supposed to be, like, hand-delivering it to the White House? I don't know where he was hand-delivering it to, but yeah, so he, he copies the data onto a floppy drive and just writes Wolf Biederman. I think Wolf is his name. Wolf is his name, and Biederman is the name is of Elijah, Wood. Elijah Wood's character. So he, he basically gives the meteor its name. Yeah. yeah, and then he drives away to go and deliver this somewhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, in doing so, because he's... What is he? Is he using his computer or something? Or, no, he can't be. What, what, what's he doing in his car? He's just speeding. He's definitely looking away at something. Because him and the lorry driver are both looking away for different reasons. Well, the reasons. lorry driver is just... The lorry driver is doing standard lorry driver things of like, you know what, I'm going to turn my music up. Um, I'm going to country songs. I'm, I'm going to, yeah, play country songs. I'm going to drop my cigarette in my lap. And oh, <laughs> coffee's gone everywhere. And yeah. oh no, I've dropped something down. I need to go and pick that up. Um, everything goes wrong. Yeah. Yeah, and so then they have a head-on collision in, in which Wolf, he gets knocked off the road, mm-hmm. falls down a cliff, the car explodes into a burning bubble of flames people in movies have really got to stop driving on highways with cars packed with dynamites yeah it's just a bad idea like, yeah why do these cars always blow up into these like infernos it's absurd <clears throat> but also what was his hurry I... like it's it establishes shortly afterwards that it's like it's... a year away it, well yeah yeah because like morgan freeman then says later on at some time difference later we don't know how much how long later yeah. it's a year away yeah so like okay you've definitely got you know, it's not hours away. There's no, no, yeah. There's no need to rush on that bit. Take your time. Deliver the information. Yeah, yeah. drive safe. Mm. But also, what was the point of that scene? No. At all. Exactly. It doesn't... It made no open. difference. He, he need not have died. No. It, it, it was... I he, guess may, it, he, he may as well just emailed it on to NASA or whatever. Yeah. That'd be it. Yeah. I've, and then he just kind of done about his day as an astronomer or whatever, and he's just not part of the plot. Yeah. And the only thing it ties into, other than the fact that it kind of keeps the information 
hidden for a little bit longer, but we, we mm. never find out what that, whether that matters or how long it is. Yeah. Is that for some reason they also think Elijah Wood is dead, mm. which doesn't make any sense to me at all. And also, was, and also doesn't isn't important. It's not important either. Yeah. <laughs> but why did they, why would they think he was dead? Because obviously the body is going to be badly burnt up. So mm. you know, but still, there's clearly going to be only one body in the car, yeah. <laughs> even if it's just fragments. They're going to figure that out. Also, why would Elijah Wood be in the car with him? He's not an astronomer. He's a kid. Yeah. Why would he have been there? Yeah. Like, at no point did they meet. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, but so Elijah, so basically, the president of America, played by Morgan Freeman, mm-hmm. a great, great performance. Mm-hmm. He and the government find out that this meteor is on its way, and it is dubbed Wolf Biederman, mm-hmm. named after these two people who they think are both dead. And then Elijah Wood finds out when he's just watching TV. Yeah, it's really lucky that uh, the astronomer was called Wolf, yeah. because otherwise that meteor would have been a really boring name. <laughs> <laughs> Smith Bedium, Smith yeah. Jones, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and then so then Elijah Wood's whole plot line. That man couldn't pull off the name Wolf. He really couldn't. He, no. he did not look like a wolf. No. <laughs> <laughs> he looked like Biederman. Yeah. And, you know, Elijah Wood looks a bit wolfy, so yeah, they should have swapped. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so then Elijah Wood, when the meteor is announced, mm-hmm. it turns out he's alive, and so that helps him to get chosen to be one of the survivors, I think. Yes. Oh yeah, then we're introduced to Talia and his character mm-hmm. in her high-waisted 90s pants. Mm-hmm. She is an ambitious young journalist mm. working for MSNBC, mm-hmm. uh, which apparently they used because CNN didn't want to be in the movie. This movie is all about MSNBC. Mm-hmm. So that, that logo is everywhere. It really is. <laughs> and she's investigating a potential political scandal mm. involving what she thinks is a high-ranking member of Morgan Freeman's government having an affair with a woman. So like a fairly standard political scandal, nothing yep. out of the ordinary. Yeah. She tracks the politician down. James Cromwell. It's James Cromwell, yes. Yeah. Uh, from Babe and other things. Yeah. Six, six, six feet under, lots of good things. Um, and he's like quite high build on the cast for this, but he has a he very has, small part. literally has one scene. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so she confronts him and she's got a source that's claiming that he's having an affair with a woman called Elle. Mm-hmm. Ellie. Ellie, sorry, Ellie. That's it. He's supposed to be having an affair with a woman called Ellie. Mm-hmm. So she confronts him about this and he kind of says, congratulations, you've got the biggest story of all time. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that Ellie is not a woman that James Cromwell's having an affair with. It's a code name for ELE, mm-hmm. which is an, an extinction level event, mm-hmm. which they've been hiding for best part of a year, is it? Something like that, yeah. Yeah, the government has been hiding this while they make preparations to avoid the planet going into a mm-hmm. panic. But now Taylor has accidentally figured it out. Although she hasn't figured it out. No, she hasn't. He just kind of. She, she really hasn't. She really hasn't figured anything out. No. It, she's she's kind of figured out the cover story. Yes. That's it. And I think she's also figured out that that is a cover story for something. Yeah. But it's funny. Morgan Freeman at no point asks her how much do you know. Mm. It's like he's not doing a good job of hiding this at all. No, he's not. Basically, once he finds out that she knows that Ellie is a thing, he just makes it really obvious that like. It's. It, I think he just says, "Oh, E L." You found out about E L E, and then mm. obviously she twigs that it's not a woman's name, mm. and then she googles or whatever the nineteen nineties horrible equivalent. Of oh, I looked. It was actually uh, an MSNBC server, so oh, I guess right. it's just looking through their own encyclopedia, pretty much. Oh, okay, fine, sure. More grounding. Wow. Yeah. God, it was. It, it was so ugly. It was horrible. I, I do not miss those times. No. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if Siri can get it. Siri, what's E L E? Well, you, no, you've not heard me, Siri. <laughs> Siri, what is E-L-E? Ooh, a computer markup language. Okay, well, Siri can't get this. Okay, so Good. clearly so, we've, gone no, we've progressed in nowhere as a species. No, if she used Siri, we'd all be doomed. Okay, fine. <laughs> He's invented a new programming series? What a scandal. <laughs> <laughs> so she does some Googling and figures out that um, 
an ELE is an extinction level event, which is that this meteor is headed for Earth. Mm -hmm. And the president's plan, which he then unveils to the public, because Mm -hmm. Taylor Looney's kind of accidentally forced his hand, Mm -hmm. is that they have been working with the Russians to put a crew together that are going to travel to the meteor, drill into it, and attempt to destroy it from within with a nuke, basically. Just pack Mm -hmm. it full of nukes, blow it up, and thereby save humanity. That's the plan. Now, if this comet continues on its path around the sun and keeps its present course, sometime on August 16th, roughly a year from now, there's a chance that we might have impact. So for the past eight months, the United States and Russia have been building the largest spaceship ever constructed. It's being built in orbit around the Earth, and we call it the Messiah. Right now, a team of American astronauts and one Russian are at Cape Canaveral in Florida. In two months, they will leave on the shuttle Atlantis to board the Messiah. This is the crew that will stop the comet. That's when it kind of splits into the three different stories that that kind of just exist separately. Mm -hmm. So Taylouni's story after that is that she's estranged from her father, who's left her mother, Mm -hmm. the mum played by Vanessa Redgrave, Mm -hmm. uh, the dad played by Maximilian Schell. Why is he German? I don't and know. Why well, is, and why? Because Maximilian Schell is German. Yeah, well, not fine, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, like, why is the character German? Why is he so strongly German? I guess Maximilian Schell couldn't be bothered to change his accent. And Taylor is just not even slightly. No, it, it, yeah, it was weird. It's like heavily German accented dad, mm. British grand dame mum. Yeah. Is American. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There's no correlation mm. whatsoever between those three. It's crazy. No. Um, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, but she's basically, for the rest of the film, she basically acts as our exposition dump. Because she got the scoop. Mm. She is then... Promoted. Promoted, quite, 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 Yeah, quite significant. She is she, now the anchor of NBC. Yes. So basically, she's there for the story, as well as her just personal issues with her dad. She's there just basically telling the audience via the medium of mm. a news report what, mm-hmm. what shit's going down, basically. Yeah. So that's what she's there for. And then there's also the space crew. Mm-hmm. Led by Robert Duval as the obligatory old vet, just pulled out of retirement for one last mission. Yes, though he's not the captain. He's not the captain, no. Which seems odd, but sure. What purpose was he serving? Because he's he's the only person who actually has experience of landing. Oh, that's it. Yes, they're like they're all, they're, all, they're all only trained in flight simulators. Flight simulators. Yeah. And he's actually been in space. So yeah. And uh, fair enough. I did. Look and he, it up. He's landed on, on the moon on multiple occasions. Okay. So I did look it up. Apparently, the oldest man who to ever go to space was in like his seventies. So. Hmm. I forget his name now, but he was somebody who was quite high up. Sure. Anyway, yes. Yeah, so, sure. so it is possible. Because I did think, really? Because I know how much like physical training it takes to be an astronaut. I was like, mm. can you really send a 70-year-old man to space? Or however old Robert Duvall was at this point? Not Certainly no younger than 60. So, mm. yeah. Yeah. Anyway. He's 87 now, I think. Yes, he is. So probably, yeah, he would have been probably 67-ish mm. then, yeah. So. And all the others kind of resent God, him. that man's old. He, very, he is very, very old. And yeah. it's not just he's old. He looks really old. Oh, yeah. Well... We saw him last in Widows, didn't yeah, we? Yeah, and was in, like, in that he, he's like, what, 120? Yeah, he, he looked like he was barely holding on. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, not many people look good at 87, so... No. Fair, fair play to him for still being... I didn't say he wasn't looking good. Yeah. Sure. I'm just saying, he looks old. He does. Yeah, well, he is old. Mm. You know, he's doing all his own breathing. Good for him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, there was a resentment <clears throat> a little bit, because he's a bit paternalistic, mm. you know, and they, they don't think that someone that old, I guess, should be on the mission. Mm, pretty much. Anyway, they all go up to space to do this mission where they're going to, they have to drill into the meteor. So we get a lot of good like comet action where they land on the comet and they mm-hmm. drill down. And, you know, obviously it all goes a bit wrong. And then the, the blonde guy goes um, blind. Mm-hmm. He gets, he sees the, he accidentally doesn't pull his visor down in time. So mm-hmm. he's blinded by the light of the, of the sun, of the without, sun. without an atmosphere to protect him. Yes. 
Um, I much preferred the drilling scenes in this compared to Armageddon. Because mm-hmm. Armageddon just kind of, the second half of the film was like, we're drilling. <laughs> That's the story, we're drilling. This one was very much just like, yeah, we drilled. It, yeah. it, it mostly works. Yeah. No, I thought they, they moved along at a nice clip. Mm. They didn't linger too much on various ways in which they tried to stop the meteor because they all ultimately failed. Mm. Spoiler alert. Well, until the very end, obviously. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they just kind of, they move it along ni- quite nicely. It's a good action scene, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the guy gets blinded, John Favreau gets uh, George Clooney into space, mm-hmm. being blasted off, mm-hmm. and the rest of them do manage to get off the comet, but when the comet explodes, it doesn't destroy it, it just splits into two. Mm-hmm. So now Earth's going to get hit by two comets, a small one called mm-hmm. Biederman, which mm-hmm. is named after Elijah Wood, mm-hmm. and a large one named Wolf, named after the dead guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, now President Freeman has to announce, sadly, the mission has failed, mm-hmm. and so there's now going to be a lottery system to try and preserve the planet, because... Mm-hmm. When the first meteor hits, it's going to cause like a devastating tidal wave. It's going to wipe out millions of people, destroy cities, etc. Mm-hmm. But it's not extinction level. Yeah. The second one is much bigger. That will land shortly afterwards, presumably. And that will literally wipe out everyone. It will cause like, within a month, they said, like all the dust and they'll block out the sun. It'll block out the sun. Mm-hmm. All plant life will be dead in a month. All human life and animal life will be dead in six weeks or something. So it's mm-hmm. a proper extinction level event. Yeah. So they are trying to avert it with a second batch of nukes, which never works, and it never seems like it's going to work. It just seems like they need to think like they're doing something. Mm. But they're also they built. An, he announces that they built an ark in the mountains of Missouri, I think Utah, isn't it? Utah, somewhere. I, yeah. I don't know. Really they built some kind of yeah underground bunker kind of thing, and mm-hmm. the space for one million people and a bunch of animals and you know plants and things that will help them survive, where they can hide for two years, mm-hmm. and then by that time the dust should have settled enough that they can have repopulate the earth. Mm-hmm. So you know, America, a country of two hundred fifty odd million, only one billion will be saved. Mm-hmm. I thought it was weird that he says where the ark is going to be. It seemed like a <laughs> Didn't big tactical error. Yeah, people are going to storm that shit. Yeah, and they did. They did. Well, yeah, but not as much as you'd think. Right. Mm. People generally seem very relaxed about the end of the world. In they this didn't film. show much rioting, did they? No, there was not a lot of rioting. I mean, he does implement martial law in a curfew, so obviously mm. he's kind of stepped ahead of that a little bit, but mm. still. Yeah, yeah. I, I did like the details they gave for things like, you know, these meteors are going to come, so I'm freezing all wages and all prices. Mm-hmm. Like, like, oh, that's that's a thing that would actually happen. Yeah, yeah if you think about that, that's actually quite sensible. Mm-hmm. Okay, this film's, this film's thought it through. Mm-hmm. It did occur to me, though, that Morgan Freeman's a little bit of a dictator in this film. I mean, he makes sensible choices, but also choices that, like, I don't know, it's, it's very like, I'm taking control of this situation, which mm-hmm. he, I guess the president should do. But mm-hmm. I'm always waiting for Donald Trump to implement martial law or something, basically, because it <laughs> frightens me. So whenever I hear martial law, I'm like, oh no, mm. um, it's happening. But that's, it. that's just my paranoia. Mm. Anyway, so the lottery happens and Taylor is chosen mm. because the world needs bad journalists, apparently. Yeah. Uh, and Elijah Wood is chosen. The list of Peter... Of- kind of people that were being taken in mm-hmm. was a little off. Mm-hmm. How so? Um, well, they said things like, you know, teachers, doctors, nurses, mm-hmm. sure. um, stuff, so soldiers even, like, okay, yeah, I get that. Yeah, sure. Artists? The Re- world needs artists. Really? Sorry. Yes. Really? Is that actually the priority? Well, if you're going to save a million people, you know. Yeah, well, yeah. You, that's, that's you need lot- books. You need, you need intellect. You can't just have people who are just pure science minds. Yeah, but that's where the 800,000 people come into it. Sure. I don't know. Maybe they just wanted the world's greatest minds to survive, you know? Yeah, perhaps. I mean, do they really need to save the elephants? No. Um, <laughs> I didn't see the point. Like, I love an elephant, but, you know, that's space for at least four extra people. It's <laughs> a good point. It's a good point. But, well, I guess that's maybe where he needed to just be a dictator and just be like, 
yeah, we're actually going to save all the animals and then making that decision and that's, that's, that's final. Yeah. As opposed to leaving it to committee and then just being like, well, is that morally right or not? And, mm. you know, if we all really struggle, we could probably, you know, squeeze up and have two people per bed and, you know, really sure, yeah. save as many people as possible. But, yeah. yeah. He really wants those elephants. I guess, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did like also how it was literally just taking two of each animal. Yeah, it really was the arc. Yeah, <laughs> like quite literally. And I just thinking like, well, there's surely space for more than two of each animal because I tell you what, they're all those animals are going to have kids in the next two years. Yes. Probably multiple so. Mm-hmm. And also to repopulate a species, you probably want more than two animals. Yeah, you're going to inbreed the fuck out of them. Yeah, so <laughs> just just get a zoo. Just, yeah, sure. Maybe we only, we only saw them in twos, but I don't know. Yeah, mm. yeah I know what you mean. Yeah, that's the point. Some animals breed a lot faster than others. Like, what? What's? Yeah. How are they going to like breed elephants underground for two years? I don't know. That seems insane. Yeah. Do you reckon they had like pandas as well? I don't know. Uh, I mean, are there that many pandas in America? Maybe they just sort of left that to China. Sure. Yeah. Seals. Seal. Maybe. Killer whales. You know, they've got like a big tank. I don't know. Maybe. Well. What ocean life? What happened to ocean life? Nothing good. A meteor lands in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but not the whole ocean. That's only like the I would have liked if when the tidal wave comes up, the first thing that happens is you see a, like a blue whale smash into a skyscraper. It's like, it's <laughs> the side, just like... That's the sort of thing down. you get these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the kind of thing that a Michael Bay version would do, maybe. Well, I know he doesn't in Armageddon, but mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> And anyway, regardless, it does turn out that the nobody over fifty mm. is going to get in. Mm-hmm. So it's only again way. good sensible decision. It, yeah, hard, hard decision, but a little harsh but sensible. Sure. Yeah. If, you, if you're talking about repopulating the planet, then yeah, that makes sense. Mm. So yeah, Tiered. How old is Morgan Freeman supposed to be? Oh, clearly in his legs. <laughs> I think when you're the president, clearly you got a certain. You know. Okay, like is, is he pulling a Boris Johnson here right now? Like he's he's forty nine and eleven months right now. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, that's as, as good as Morgan Freeman looks. That's a rough 49. Mm. <laughs> I feel like Morgan Freeman's looked about 60 for the best part of 40 years. <laughs> yeah. I think he's I, like 82 now or something. Like. Yeah. Let's see. Morgan Freeman, 1937. What does that mean? He would have been 62. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, he was clearly older than 50. But uh, yeah. obviously the President of the United States is always going to have a space on the arc. That's just the way the world works. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, to be fair, actually, maybe as part of the 200,000 that over 50-year-old didn't quite apply. That's a good point. A lot of the artists and scientists were probably... Fuck the artists. <laughs> scientists and stuff, yeah, okay. <laughs> Some of the best writers are, you know, middle-aged, older people. Yeah, sure. Maybe they'll get lucky and get in the lottery. No, they're not in the lottery because they're over 50. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, well, screw them. Well, they're not going to help repopulate the planet. What are they going to do, write books? Yes. Books never save lives. Harry, there's no TV. People are going to get very bored down there in the arc. They're going to need books. They can make TV. (laughs) Public access television in a bunker. Yeah. (laughs) So, yeah, Elijah Wood gets shortlisted for the list as well. So he gets chosen to survive when he gets to take his family with him. Mm -hmm. And he's in love with Lily Sobieski. Mm -hmm. The utterly generic 90s girlfriend from every movie from that period. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so he gets selected and he basically forces Lily Sobieski to marry him. Yeah, I mean, forces is a strong word. Well, it's here. basically, marry he, me or die. Y- yeah, he's not putting it that way. He's more putting it just like, I can legitimately save your life. Yeah. Like, literally. She doesn't seem into it. At all. No, but like, as far as she knows, she and her parents and little baby brother or whatever mm-hmm. are going to get saved if she just marries him. So, oh, sure. No, it's yeah. the right decision. I'm not yeah. saying it's the wrong decision. I just thought it was like, do you really think this marriage is going to last 
I don't. No, no, definitely. Not. I, I do I, not think. It's I didn't. The... I didn't believe that they were in love. I don't think that Elijah would believe they were in love. Oh, he definitely. Even before that happened, he was. He kept like grabbing her hand and stuff. He definitely had a crush on her. Do you think? Yeah. No. It was. It was not a platonic thing. He. He definitely was in love with her. Okay. Yeah. Sure. I think that's what we're supposed to believe. I don't think they had very good chemistry, but I mm. think we're supposed to believe that they're in love. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Elijah would never really read straight <laughs> to me. So. <laughs> So yeah, they get married, and so they're supposed to all get picked up to be taken to the the bunker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it turns out that something's gone wrong, or he's been lied to, or maybe he lied to her. Who knows? Mm-hmm. She can go, but her parents cannot. Mm-hmm. So her parents, including Denise Crosby from mm-hmm. uh, Tasha Yar. Yeah, nice to see her. Didn't yeah. see her much, but yeah, yeah. I liked her ridiculous pregnant belly. It was like <laughs> someone just literally put an inflatable beach ball under her dress. It was absurd. <laughs> <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so her parents can't go and so she decides she doesn't want to go either like this girl has no survival instinct no. whatsoever no. every turn she's like I don't want to go I want to I just let me die mm. got annoying um, <laughs> so she decides not to go and then she kind of chases the, the bus down the road and stuff but then so Elijah Wood does go to the Ark but then he realises when he gets there that he needs to go back and rescue her mm-hmm. so he kind of does a bit of a about a turn and he runs away his parents are like sure bye have fun take yeah. a watch <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah <laughs> Well, no, I, I did kind of like that the parents saw, okay, he's made a decision mm-hmm. and for him it's the right decision and so we're just going to let that be. Like, the mum is a bit emotional at the start. The dad's just like, well, you'll need my watch. Just take, take, yeah. take, take, without thinking, just like, well, take my watch, give me a hug, off you go. Uh, Me, I guess. I just feel like there was a lot of, like, questionable parenting in this movie. Okay. Yeah. Just like, I don't know, I would think your instinct as a parent, I'm not a parent, but I would think your instinct would be to keep your child alive at all costs. Yeah. They seem to very quickly. I mean, they must know that he's basically signing his own death sentence. Mm. You'd think they'd be like, no, you're 15, you can't make this decision. Like, you come into the caves, deal with it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a different movie, but yeah. Yeah, perhaps, I guess. They're just, they're very quickly like, okay, bye, good luck. Yes, yeah, so he does that and goes searching for them, goes on the highway, which, of course, everybody's trying to leave the city because they've been instructed that. Why were they still there? Still, what do you mean, still In there? In the city. They've had a year! Why are they still six because, miles from the ocean? Because nobody knew where the meteor was going to land. Did they not? I mm. thought you said the first one's going to land off the coast of Thing and cause a giant tidal wave. And that that was quite recently. That was that was after the meteor split up, uh, in, split in two. Still, they had at least a few days. It was insane to me that they they should have evacuated all the coastal regions. Everyone should have gone Highland Central as possible. Mm-hmm. Like. There's a sign, a very prominent sign that says Virginia Beach is six miles away. It's like, people are still six miles from the beach mm. when there's going to be a tidal wave in a matter of days, hours. It, it was lunacy. Like, mm-hmm. nobody seems to care that the meteor's going to land. Yeah. Maybe it's like people are in denial. Maybe that's what it would be like. Maybe people would just be in such denial that they wouldn't even try to save themselves. But yeah, I guess. Nutty. Yeah. yeah, and they're all uh, stuck on the highway because traffic has got ground to a standstill. Yep. Well, he can weave in and out, thankfully. Yes, because he's on a motorbike. Uh, no one else thought of this, did they? <laughs> no, they really didn't. It's really odd. Mm. And people have packed crazily. Mm-hmm. Like, people have brought in like inflatable swimming pools. Mm-hmm. There were deck chairs on top of some people's cars. And, like, you don't need this shit. <laughs> <laughs> what, do you, what do you need an inflatable swimming pool for? Well, it's going to be a lot more water. <laughs> True, yeah, yeah. I would have they just seen like one character like staring at the tidal wave and just putting on like a yeah. ring or something. Yeah, like... <laughs> yeah that would have been some good. Swim- some like children's armbands or something, mm-hmm. flexible armbands. Like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, just imagine somebody just standing staring at it, look at it, just hold their breath. <gasps> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, the comet does hit and then the tidal wave happens. He's on the freeway. Um, eventually he finds them. 
Yeah. Which is a miracle. Oh, yeah. It's a total movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Movie magic. That's fine. I don't mind it. Would never magic. have happened like that. Given that he goes past them and then she shouts like a minute later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he's now stuck in traffic or whatever. It's yeah. odd. Mm-hmm. Yes, we find, uh, find them, runs towards her, they have a little hug, mm-hmm. and then the parents come, and the parents have, without even talking about it, have already made a decision, and it's just, girl, whatever your name is, you get on the bike with Elijah Wood, here, put this thing on, strap your brother to yourself, yeah. and just go and survive. See, they made good and, parenting decisions. Yeah, and that that was easily the most emotional part of the film. Oh, absolutely, I agree. I thought they were better parents. I thought originally when she says, I don't want to go, I want to stay with you, mm. when he is on the bus. Mm. Again, they should have been like, get on the fucking bus yeah. and take your brother. Yeah. But they redeemed themselves in my eyes at this point because they did, they made, you know, smart, selfless parenting choice. Yeah, go, save yourself, save the kid. Mm. That was, yeah, that was a good scene. Yeah, and so they did that and Ledgerwood just drives off into the wildlife and just gets the high ground. Yeah. While the parents, so they, they just stand back and they're just having a little sort of look into each other's eyes. It was, yeah, that um, was a really nice scene. I thought Denise yeah, Crosby it, acted it really well. Like when she's yeah, looking yeah. she's crying because she's just seen her children for the last time but then she's also kind of happy and relieved because they've got a chance. And, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it was a really nice scene. I enjoyed that. Those little humour moments made yeah. the film good. I, I, I liked that those two particularly were just, they completely accepted what was going to happen when everybody else around them was running away from the wave. Yeah. I, I, I liked that. I was just like, yes, this is sensible and emotional and great. Yeah. Uh, Elijah Wood manages to get to high ground. Mm-hmm. Well, they go, was, they scramble up the mountain. Yeah, it was fun to watch Elijah Wood climb a mountain again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's getting his training in for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, they're running up the mountain, which is conveniently located very near to the beach, which I don't think happens very often um, mm. in nature, with a very obviously fake baby. Yeah, I didn't really notice that. Oh, God, there were some moments when it was like, that is clearly a doll. Mm-hmm. Like, it was stiff as a board. Mm. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, they get to the top, and uh, that's the last you see of them, isn't it? They just kind of look into the... Yeah, sort of looking into the sky. Yeah. Um, but we've skipped ahead a little bit there now. Yeah. So... Taylor's Back to Taylor's story. story. So she has also been chosen for the arc, but she stays to the very last minute to broadcast the last news. And then she's going to get picked up by a helicopter to be taken to safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's got a frenemy at work. Like, mm. Sometimes there seems to be a friend. So her boss, maybe. But it seems like they're a bit competitive. Mm. But her friend has a young daughter. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get chosen, so she's just in the skyscraper, just like waiting to die with her daughter. And Taylor mm-hmm. only has like a moment of realisation. She grabs the kid. It looks like she's stealing the kid. And then she runs up to the helicopter. And then she says... You're taking my place. Yeah. And then so she gives up her space to this other woman. The other woman is just like, bye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is no moment of hesitation. Mm-hmm. No like, thank you. Mm-hmm. No like, are you sure? Just, bye, bitch. Like, she yep. <laughs> does not look around. I was like, <laughs> good for you. Mm. <laughs> so yeah, Taylor who sacrifices herself to save this woman and her child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then so she reconciles with her dad. Her mum's killed herself. Vanessa Redgrave kills herself mm-hmm. off screen. So... Yeah, she goes and reconciles with her dad. They stand on the beach together and they just watch the tidal wave come and engulf them. Mm-hmm. And again, despite Taylor and his boring acting, it is a nice moment. Mm, like the moment yeah. when she like, is hugging her dad and stuff and they're reconciled. And it's just, yeah, it is. It's a quite nice moment. Yeah. Uh, I like the special effect as well. Yeah, I thought they did it quite nicely. Yeah, mm. like, It wasn't too much. No. No, it could very easily have been just way too much destruction at this point and you watch the house get destroyed and stuff and their bodies get swept away but you don't want to see that no, no it's probably going to be pretty messy the force of the tidal wave is probably going to yeah mm. not be pretty easy to look at so mm. it wouldn't be nice to see like, them close up to the wave at all yeah this film has what's the word like tact mm. it's something a Michael Bay film would never have mm. yeah. yeah it definitely has a bit of discretion a bit of class about it so yeah uh, but then you see the tidal wave like make its impact and you know, we get a lot of Slightly generic, you know, we, we see the Statue of Liberty get knocked oh, over. Statue of Liberty, yes. You, you love a good Statue of Liberty destruction, don't mm. you? Did you notice the, <laughs> there's one shot that made me laugh and it was the, probably the ropiest effect in the film. 
you see the tidal wave like ripping through the city and there's just one guy sat with his back to it reading yep. the newspaper yeah like, I saw that <laughs> so weird like what's it going to be I would love it if he was like there's going to be a tidal what <laughs> <laughs> yeah like, what news is being printed that day I it's like know. the end of the world mm. <laughs> well, he's just got to finish the crossword or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah. sure <laughs> Reading the Lonely Hearts column, you know. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I laughed. Uh, yeah, but I, I enjoyed the New York destruction scene. Love a New York destruction scene. Mm-hmm. Always a good time. Yeah. Um, I love how it finished with uh, one of the twin towers leaning against the other one. Did it? I didn't pick up yeah. that. Okay. <laughs> they were one of the only things that was actually above the waterline. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's a good image. Mm. Yes, yeah, so the first meteor has hit. The tidal wave has struck. You know, mm-hmm. been a devastating impact. Most of our favorite characters are now dead. But. The second one is obviously the one that's going to wipe out the planet. Mm. And so the space cadets are on the way back to Earth, having their mission having failed. Astronauts, not space cadets. Sorry, astronauts. <laughs> they decide to sacrifice themselves because they still have a whole load of nukes left. Yeah. I was like, why? Yeah, I didn't really Use understand. them all! Yeah. You've I'd... got one shot at this. Yeah. Use all the nukes. You expected it to work first time, so why are there six nukes? Yes. Like, use all six nukes, sure. Yeah. Crazy. But anyway... So they decide to fly into the second meteor mm-hmm. and just blow it up from within and sacrifice themselves. Mm-hmm. So they do that. Before they do that, they have a video conference call with all of their various loved ones. So, mm-hmm. you know, you get all the wives and the children and the... You get the, the main one is the blind guy, I guess. The blind mm. guy gets to... It's another really emotional scene. Oh, yeah, when he, he, he's blind, so he can't see his... Because his wife is pregnant, right? Mm. When they set off and now the son's like... Looks about two. I was supposed to be out there. Been away for a while, yeah. Have, yeah. But yes, so his wife's like introducing the sun and then his Blair Underwood is like describing what the sun's doing mm. and like, yeah, it's a nice, sweet little scene. Yeah. Mm, yeah. And then they sacrifice themselves and, but they save the world because the astronaut, the astronaut, the yeah. asteroid explodes. Yes. And, uh, so the world is very damaged, but saved ultimately. Yeah. And, I yeah. mean, as far as we know, it's mainly the East Coast of America that's damaged. They also said a lot of yeah. Europe was wiped out. Yeah. Mm. I mean, it, it, it totally would be quite destructive to the vast majority of Europe, a lot of Africa, just anywhere in the Atlantic. Yes. Yes, yeah, so that ends with Morgan Freeman giving a good old presidential speech. It's actually a very good monologue. Oceans rise, cities fall, but hope survives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very much like, we will rebuild. This is not Armageddon. This is not Armageddon. Yeah. Yeah. We will rebuild. And yeah, and then the movie ends. Yeah. And that's Steve Impact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was a good one. I, I enjoyed this. I, just, I think, I don't often say this, I think it should have been longer. Oh, really? I think one problem I have with this film is that you don't really care about the characters as much as you could because you don't really learn a lot about them. Mm. Because Titanic's three hours and it really spends time building up mm-hmm. the characters so you care. Mostly Case and Jack, but you know. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the characters don't get enough screen time for you to really be that interested in whether they live or die. Mm. So I think it could have done with just a little bit more character building. I don't yeah. think any of the characters are that interesting. You care about them because of the scenarios they put in. Like, you know, you're like, oh, that's a sad thing with the. You know, of course, it's a guy never meeting his son, but then being blind and hearing his son's voice moments before he dies is that's an emotional. You know, that's for heart stone, not, not to be moved by that. Mm. But you don't really get enough of that character to really care. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, I feel like that's a problem with this film a little bit is that it, it spreads itself just a touch too thin. Yeah, no, that's true. But it's decent. I think it's a good horror, a good horror film. I think it's a good <laughs> disaster film. I think I like the fact that it's very human driven. You know, it's very mm-hmm. character driven. It's it's not all about the special effects. No, it's thoughtful. And probably quite realistic mm-hmm. in many ways in terms of how people would react to that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. no, I, I enjoyed rewatching it. I think mm. I think it stands up. I think it holds stands the test of time very well. Definitely, it does. Yeah. Mm. Cities fall, but they are rebuilt, and heroes die, but they are remembered. We honor them with every brick we lay, 
With every field we sow, with every child we comfort, and then teach to rejoice in what we have been re-given. Our planet, our home. All right, so what drinking games have you got then? Okay. My first drinking game is a very obvious one. Drink for dated tech. Yeah, it's my first. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was ugly. It was yeah. so aggressively ugly. Mm. So many big windows and all that MS-DOS and yeah. ugh, it's horrible. Floppy disks, Floppy bad search thing. engines. Mm-hmm. A lot of adverts as well. Yeah, a lot of weird pop-ups. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, drink for product placement. Oh, yes, there was some good old product placement in this. Mm. I like my favourite was when the generic trucker who runs the wolf off the road... Mm reaches down for an energy drink and it completely just cuts to like just his hand very slowly grasping the energy drink mm-hmm. it was like wow okay yeah <laughs> what else did you notice MSNBC obviously is everywhere. MSNBC big time big, big, yeah. Big, yeah they made a um, lot on this yeah. yeah I think there are a few things in Times Square probably you know coke and stuff sure yeah it's an action movie it's the 90s there's going to be some product placement mm-hmm. okay here's one drink for weird names like a lot of the characters had strange names so Robert Duvall's character is called Spurgeon Tanner yeah, that one is That's a weird not a name. person's name. Mm. And then also the blind guy is called Oren Monash. Oren Monash. Yeah, it's like they just dropped a few Scrabble tiles and went, "Oh, that'll do." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they just don't, I just noticed some. Everyone in this film seems to have like strange, strange names. Yeah, I did notice James Cromwell is uh, Alan Rittenhouse. Alan Rittenhouse. Wow. <laughs> Which initially I read as Alan Rittenout, mm. which <laughs> also somewhat true. That applies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess similar to that is drink any time anybody says Biederman. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's a good one. Yeah. Obviously, it's the name of the meteor and Elijah Wood, so yeah. You hear it a lot, yeah. That's going to haunt him. Yeah, yeah He's named after the thing that killed like millions and millions of people. Um, yeah, drink for newsroom drama. Oh, good, yeah. Lots of people, you know, I love a good newsroom drama where people are shouting, get me the sources, can yeah. we get back up on this? Like, yeah. We're going live in five, Does four, anybody three, know who, who killed the dinosaurs? Yes, how, that was How big was the one who killed the dinosaurs? That was a good one, yeah. Where's science? <laughs> yeah, 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 where's science? <laughs> yes. Brilliant. Loved it. <laughs> that was what I wanted the post to be. Yeah, yeah. how boring yeah. the post was. I wanted the post oh. to be two hours of Tom Cruise just shouting, where's politics? Yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so drink whenever the president addresses the nation. Oh, that's good. Yeah, good. Moment. I liked his address, especially uh, the one where he's just like, where it's just a hard cut to our nukes have failed. Yeah, because that, but you don't see the nukes like taking off or no. detonating or anything. It's just like, yeah, we're gonna do that. Oh, they failed. Yeah, I loved that. I didn't. I like that they didn't linger on it too much. It was mm. like they're trying. It's not gonna work. Yeah, so. they failed. So now we've got the nah. thing. Because also his. Like his, his his costume just gets more and more informal. That's what I was gonna say. He just stops. Like he, a he, shit, he yeah. starts off in like a fancy three piece suit, as, yeah. as 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 would be, and then you know next one is buttons undone or something, and then by then he's just in like shorts and t shirt, flip flops. He's <laughs> it's I'd love it in the, if the last one was just him like in his underwear, just chugging a beer, just like yeah. fuck it, we're doomed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it practically was. Yeah, pretty. Much, yeah, it was as informal as a president is ever gonna look mm. in that kind of scenario. So. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. But he was straight back to the suit at the end, and that's how you knew if it was all right. Yeah. <laughs> Oceans rise, cities fall, but fashion survives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drink for bad 90s hair. Sure, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got drink for weird or boring subplots. Okay, such as? Anything with Elijah Wood or what's-her-face? Taylor Leone. Yeah. I would agree. Yeah, both both quite dull plot lines yeah. I was watching. I love it with Elijah Wood, but it wasn't the most exciting plot in the world. No, it really wasn't. 
Lily it, 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 it was kind of Elijah Wood's supporting characters were the, the interesting ones. Yeah, yeah. The, the parents were, were... The, the the parent both parents both sets yeah. of parents were what was interesting about that. Yeah, Talia, nothing really was interesting about that to no. me. No, when same. she gave her seat to that other woman, that yeah. was that was something. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah, that was the only thing she did. Mainly, just like, why is her dad so German? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <it's> very, <laughs> it is distracting, isn't it? Like, yeah. <laughs> Come with me, daughter, if you want to live. <laughs> You're too late. I already took care of everything. Come, come inside the car. You're getting sick. Please. I want to talk to you. Please, come. I don't give a shit. Go home and tell it to Chloe. I can't. She left me. She's with her mother. They both got scared. Come. I want to talk to you. I need you. How does it feel? I feel like an orphan. Um, okay, well, before we get to sequels, just want to let you listeners know we are available on patreon.com slash set. If you go there, you can donate as much or as little as you think we're worth. Mm-hmm. Wow. John, what do you think we're worth? I think we are worth minimum $15,000 a month, which minimum 15, unfortunately is the maximum you can donate. So. Okay. Well, listeners, maybe just start thinking about maybe donating $5 a month yeah. and then work our way up from there up to fifteen yeah. grand. And We're working able to match inflation. You yeah, know, if you want to give us a pay rise every now and then, that'd be nice. Yeah, we'll have a pay review every year with you. Yeah. Um, if you do become a Patreon supporter, you get a few bonus things. So initially, you get a bonus episode from us once a week called mm-hmm. Beyond Beyond the Box Set, where we review uh, cinema releases. Yes. So essentially, two episodes a week. Get yeah. to, and double for your money. Mm-hmm. We've seen some corkers lately. Oh, God. Haven't we just... Uh, we saw Ma. Yeah. Uh, we saw uh, Dark Phoenix, which we certainly had some thoughts on. Yeah, big time. Uh, we're about to see Rocket Man. Uh, yeah, God- got Godzilla as well. Godzilla, oh, that was something. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Toy Story is coming up. It- it's a good summer. Godzilla. Well, it's an yeah, Godzilla. It's an, <laughs> it's an interesting summer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I have much to say. Yeah. <laughs> Cool, so you get that. And uh, two more things. You also get, once a month, we have a patron come on on the main show. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can choose the film. Uh, well, they normally do choose the film. And if they want, they can come and guest on it. They don't have to, though. Yeah. Um, any film you want that doesn't have a sequel or a episode on Beyond the Box set already. Yeah. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Also, every patron gets a 30-second advert slot on the main show once a month uh, where they can advertise whatever they want. can be your own show. can be your own business, your own, I don't know, whatever, whatever you want to advertise. If you just think that you're really great, you can talk about yourself yeah. for 30 seconds. Mm. Or someone else. What a, we'll what a compliment. Just talk about how great someone else is. Yeah. Yeah. In that spirit, this week I'm going to promote, for the 30 second last lot, one of our patrons, uh, Daniel Tickner, mm-hmm. one of our long-term patrons, a lovely guy. He has a podcast called Aussie Nerd Podcast. So you can find his podcast uh, by searching Aussie Nerd on iTunes and most other podcasting apps. And you can find him on Twitter at, at Aussie Nerds Pod. And mm-hmm. his podcast, I believe... Well, he's been on our show. He did the uh, Wolf Children episode. And I think we've both been on his show. We've both been on his show, yeah. So his show is, is just about... To- he likes to talk to people about their favourite films. Mm. I went on and talked about Muriel's Wedding, my favourite film. And I went on and did uh, The Shape of Water. Not oh. technically my favourite, but I think all my favourites had been taken by that point. Fair enough. And it's a great film. And I really wanted to talk about Shape of Water. Yeah. And I had a really good time with it. Good. It's a really good episode. It's yeah, better it's than John's good. episode. I have to listen to John's episode. Of course you haven't. You never listen to anything I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> damn you. And uh, yes, I believe he's been on Two Geeks to Movies as well. Yeah, where we compare The Shape of Water to Hellboy, yeah. which was actually a really good time. 
Great. So yeah, so check that out. That is the Aussie Nerd Podcast. Just search Aussie Nerd or at Aussie Nerds Pod on Twitter. Mm. So thank you, Daniel, for your support. Great. All right. So now it's time to do some sequels. Yes. So mine, I have forgotten to write a title. Maybe you'll think of one. I don't know. Okay, we'll see. It's set 25 years later. So about the same time later. Sure. Most of the cities have been rebuilt. Okay. Um, but all with new added to the start. Oh, okay. So you've got new, new Washington, new Philadelphia, new New York, <laughs> etc. Like it, like it, okay. <clears throat> uh, Morgan Freeman, no longer president. Okay, well, it has been 20 years. It's so. been 25 years. 25 years, yeah. He's comfortably retired and, you know, spends his days playing golf. Instead, okay. Leo Biedemann, Elijah Wood, is now the youngest president in history at the age of 35. Wow. He doesn't strike me, Elijah Wood, as someone very presidential, but mm. I mean, I guess he has to do something to repair his reputation. Yeah, so. he's very famous. Okay. So to celebrate the 25th anniversary of uh, the meteor detonation, uh, which is publicly regarded as a successful day, yes. um, by, well, mainly by Leo Biedemann, he, he refuses to acknowledge the, uh, the smaller meteor, which... Sure. Never I, happened. Yeah. No. Yeah, President Biedemann has now ordered a show of force from NASA to, to show that they are ready should a similar situation arise. Okay. So they have, it's a fully funded NASA. It spends most of its budget scanning the skies for incoming meteors. Mm-hmm. The rest of its budget is spent on trips to the asteroid belt to study the asteroids and to, you know, practice drilling and destroying them. Right, okay. So he's just making sure that this never happens again. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, seems sensible. Yeah. Did he so, just run on an anti-meteor ticket as president? I, I guess, yeah. <laughs> he was like, I found the last one, I'll find the next one. Yeah, that's a good vote, vote for me. I think that's probably a good, like, if you're going to be like a one... If you're going to be like a one-policy politician in this mm. universe, that's probably a good one to win. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, so the plan for the 25th anniversary um, is to direct all the telescopes of the world um, towards a certain spot in the asteroid belt mm-hmm. and then essentially live stream that several asteroids have been planted with nukes. And okay. on the exact time of day that the Wolf Meteor was destroyed, these asteroids will be destroyed as a live show to the public to just display that NASA is fully prepared for another meteor strike if one were to arise. Seems they like know. a huge waste of money, but sure. They know. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. yeah. They know that they can drill into these things and blow them up. Okay, sure. So, I mean, that's not a waste of money. Just, you know, practicing. If it happens again, they, they know they can do it. Okay, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. It went wrong the first time. True. No, that, I guess it makes sense. So give the public some confidence that you know, they can feel a bit more secure and safe. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. So, everyone watches as the asteroids get blown up into a million pieces, mm-hmm. and they all watch live as the surrounding asteroids get blown off course and bump into each other. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that wasn't predictable in the slightest. <laughs> we then hard cut to a presidential address to the nation. President Biedemann's looking quite stressed. <laughs> Turns out there was a miscalculation, and the explosions didn't have the exact effect that was planned. There are now six meteors all heading for a collision course for the planet. I don't think he's going to get re-elected. <laughs> that is a real pre disaster. I love the idea of like a hard cut to like that speech, though. Like, yeah. <laughs> is this sequel a comedy? It may as well be. Okay, sure, great. Yeah. Um, each one of these meteors is bigger than, than the wolf meteor that was destroyed oh, 25 years okay. ago. Um, the president tells everybody not to panic. Um, NASA is fully prepared for this, and as they speak, the crew of astronauts have already landed on the first meteor and are drilling nukes into its core. Okay. Because they've already got all the uh, all the spaceships already out there by the asteroid belt, oh, so sure, they're just yeah. sort of flying along. Well, one big spaceship is flying along with them. Okay. So the rest of the film is now going to centre around two plots. Okay. One where we follow the astronauts as they sequentially destroy as many of the asteroids as possible. Mm-hmm. And the other is a media storm which the president has to deal with, as it was his celebration which caused this mess. <laughs> 
I'm not going to write that one. That's uh, that's the one I really want to watch. So. <laughs> uh, that, that sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah. It's like an episode of Veep or something. Yeah. <laughs> so the astronauts, they successfully destroy the first one. Mm-hmm. No trouble. Okay. Um, move on to the next. They've already calculated that they do not actually have the resources to destroy all of them right. or catch up with them all in time. So the astronaut in charge of the nukes, Donald Glover. Good choice, good choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I like him as sort of his crazy energy that he had in The Martian. Yes. I think that, that, that could be fun. Mm-hmm. He comes up with a crazy plan. Of course. What other kind of Donald Glover plan is there? Exactly. So they decide to drill into one of the meteors from a side, which means that when they detonate, it will throw it into the course of another meteor. Are they playing, like, space pool? Yeah. <laughs> space snooker. Yeah, thank you. I was just about to say that. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Hopefully knocking them both, of course. Okay. So they do this, and it works flawlessly. Okay, sure. So of the six, they've blown up one. Two of them have gone completely off course. Not a problem anymore. Just forget about them. Mm-hmm. But because they had to spend a bit more time going off their original route, they can now only get to two of the remaining three meteors. Right, okay. So the furthest one out is going to... Or it round Earth a little bit mm-hmm. uh, before crashing down off the coast of China, causing a likely extinction-level event. Oh dear, okay. So, they catch up with uh, what's the, the fourth meteor, destroy mm-hmm. it entirely. Yeah. No problem again. Okay. Just fine. And so with that positive high energy that they've done that, they reckon that they can destroy them all. But Donald Glover has worked out. Still not possible. Okay. They're not going to be able to catch up in time. So he comes up with another grand plan, which nobody likes because everybody thinks it's extremely risky. Mm-hmm. And could go very wrong very easily and very quickly. Mm-hmm. So, well, essentially nobody can come up with a better plan. They all believe that they can catch up with all the other new, all the other asteroids. Mm-hmm. But Donald Glover is the only one who knows that that's going to fail. Right. So, he steals the lander. Okay. And he's just by himself. He's armed with one nuke. And he lands on the penultimate meteor and digs his way to the depth that he has calculated. Mm-hmm. As his team refused to remote detonate because, you know, his plan is very, very risky and they don't believe in it, he has to detonate locally. So, he's out. Oh, so he's committing suicide, basically. Yep, he's, he's, he's sacrificing he's, himself. He's doing a Bruce Willis. Very noble. Okay. Um, detonation goes off as planned and a meteor goes onto a new course, still heading for Earth, though. Okay. This meteor is now set to also strike off the coast of China. Okay. Um, but because it is so well-timed, it will strike at the exact same time as, as the final meteor. Okay, so this space snooker is really like... Mm. Okay. So, these meteors are now, because one of them did know about, they're going to be travelling in opposite directions. Mm-hmm. They're still striking on the same location at the same time. Both meteors, they come into sight for the residents of, let's say, Shanghai or some Chinese city. Mm-hmm. Set it over China, because I've noticed a lot of films these days, they're coming back and they'll be like, oh, let's include China in this so we can get into the foreign market. Sure, That's yeah, what this okay. is doing. Okay, I see. Makes I'm, I'm going to make loads of money here. Okay. <laughs> Just off the coast of Shanghai, we see both meteors... Uh, enter the atmosphere and directly collide with one another. Okay. That's still going to cause a lot of destruction, right? Both breaking up into millions of smaller pieces, moving at considerably lower speeds. Okay. And so, no longer an extinction level event. But it's probably still a lot of damage. However, there is a shockwave created that uh-huh. is so strong, it destroys everything around it for hundreds of miles, okay. including multiple cities. I feel like. There are also earthquakes all over the planet. It's a very, very large amount of destruction, mm-hmm. but also. Not an extinction level amount of destruction. And that's that's pretty much it. Okay. I feel like I want to see the sequel to your sequel where the rest of the world is like, what the fuck, America? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What did you do? 
I think that's a prelude to World War Three. Like <laughs> fucking hell, Leo Biedemann has fucked it. Like, yeah. Well, I mean, it's it, it, it's deep impact, but you know, just bigger and badder. Yeah, sure. And bigger, then, bigger, and badder, and cracking the Asian market. Yeah, so, and then yeah. and then the third one will be bigger and badder again. I guess. Yeah. No, that is a very of like China's retaliation. <gasps> it's a war. So then China goes up to the asteroid belt, and then they start just sort of shooting asteroids. At it the becomes States. like a war yeah. of attrition. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm here for that. Yeah. Yeah. No, sure. Go go big. Go big or go home. Mm, pretty much, like yeah. That's a, that's a very good example of how like a probably a modern sequel to Deep Impact, if it was kind of a bit brainless, would mm-hmm. look. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I've got there. I've not got a title for it. Ooh, um, could it be Deep Impact Two Space Snooker or something or <laughs> Space Balls? Space Balls. Space Balls. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> Deep Impact Two Space Balls. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> like it a lot. Okay, so my one. Also set twenty well twenty years later because the film came out in nineteen ninety eight so mm-hmm. it's basically set in the present day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wanted to do mine on an anniversary, and twenty didn't feel like it's a big anniversary. Twenty five so. is yeah, that's yeah. fair. So the year is twenty eighteen, twenty years after the events of the first movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, we open with a monologue from Morgan Freeman because okay. you know what, what better way to start any movie than a mm. monologue from Morgan Freeman, who is still the president. Oh yeah. So, through his monologue, we learn that after the meteor hit, America was left devastated, mm. with major cities destroyed and many millions killed, which mm-hmm. obviously he pointed to in the end of the first film. In order to control the chaos that followed, President Beck, Morgan Freeman's character, mm. uh, exerted special powers, including extending martial law indefinitely, <laughs> taking, control of the, <laughs> taking control of the Senate, oh dear. and greatly increasing his own personal power. Wow, this sounds like the prequels to Star Wars. Well, let's just see where it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't figure that. Yeah, he, he builds a Death Star. <laughs> All this was claimed to be a temporary measure to help America to get back on track. Mm-hmm. And at first, there was fairly minimal resistance. Mm-hmm. However, slowly but surely, he's chipped away at the Constitution, claiming that elections will be a costly distraction while they need his focus on rebuilding mm-hmm. and extending his own power far beyond the traditional two-term limit for an American president. Yeah. So I like. obviously in the first film, Morgan Freeman plays like everyone's idea of a perfect president you know he's very responsible and you know he's warm i like i would like the idea of morgan freeman playing that but as a villain like he's become like a dictator mm-hmm. so I, I don't know has morgan freeman ever played a villain he must have done hmm. i'm not sure really. i'd like to see that mm. i've seen him play like morally conflicted characters but never like a full-on villain yeah i think that's again it'd be a good way to like put a twist on what he does yeah it would mm. yeah so he's now essentially a dictator of america mm. but he is doing very effective work at rebuilding the country despite the cost it has to personal freedoms and the Constitution. So many people consider him to be a safe pair of hands, and he quashes any rebellion with brutal efficiency. Mm-hmm. So he's basically unopposed at this point. Right. He basically rules America with an iron fist. Mm-hmm. We're also going to introduce a new character, played by your favourite, Saoirse Ronan. Oh. I needed a girl in her 20s, and she's the only one I could think of. <sighs> she's actually going to play the little girl that Taya Leone saved at the end of the first film. The one that she put in the helicopter. Oh, right, okay, yeah. yeah. So when she gave up, when Taylor Luna gave up her seat on the helicopter to save this little girl and him on, this is the girl. She's now in her mid twenties. She's grown up, mm-hmm. and inspired by the woman to whom she owes her life, mm-hmm. Taylor Luna, she's grown up to become an investigative journalist. Sure, and <clears throat> she's looking into allegations that President Beck's abuse of power goes far deeper than the population knows. Mm-hmm. So she's going to be much like Taylor Luna was investigating him in the first film. Well, at first anyway, she's investigating me in this film. And maybe she's going to get pulled into an underground resistance movement as the movie goes on. And she's going to discover that he has had multiple important political rivals murdered to shore up his own power base and make sure he stays in command. Mm -hmm. Obviously, at some point, he's going to find out that she's trailing him and he's he's going to threaten her. There's going to be threats to her life. But she's going to be a real dogged, 
undeterred political journalist and she's going to fight to expose the truth. So that's her plotline. Sure. I'm thinking like the original Deep Impact, I'm going to have several plotlines happening at once. So mm-hmm. that's hers. She's a kick-ass journalist who wants to take down the US president. And then Morgan Freeman's plotline is that he's like become a dictator and you know he's been corrupted and their plotlines are going to intersect mm. nicely. Elijah Wood, meanwhile, mm-hmm. has grown up completely haunted by the fact that his name is forever attached <laughs> to the meteor that killed millions of people. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that that kind of fame absolutely does not get you a lot of sex. And he has long <laughs> since divorced from Lily Sobieski. Mm-hmm. Ah, so he doesn't take her name then? Sadly not, no. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a, a good little out for him. He's now a top astronomer, working on early comet detection and defence systems to ensure that nothing like the Biederman Wolf tragedy ever happens again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so not a million miles away from your idea at this point, mm-hmm. except he's not the president. Uh, one day he's doing some routine scans, and he sees that a meteor that he's been following for some time has mysteriously changed course. Ooh. In fact, it's gone from a harmless orbit that should have seen it easily pass by Earth by hundreds of thousands of years, of mm. light years or whatever, mm-hmm. or, or miles, I don't know. Um, let's go miles. Let's go with miles, sure. Yeah. To a direct and devastating collision course. Damn. And this should be scientifically impossible. So he's very confused. Mm-hmm. That a meter should just change course out of nowhere. He's mm-hmm. like, there's no reason for this to happen. I, I don't understand. He just, so he doesn't believe what he's seeing at first, but the scans confirm it. Earth is heading for another disaster. Mm-hmm. So he races to his self-driving electric car, very carefully fastens the seatbelt, mm-hmm. and slowly, carefully drives to the White House to deliver his terrible news. Like how slowly? Very does, slowly. Does he beat the meteor? Well within the speed limit. Yeah, yeah, he beats the meteor, but he's, he's taking no chances. There's no random car explosions in this movie. Yeah. Okay. So he delivers the terrible news. Obviously. Pres- so he still didn't do it like by email or something? No, no, no. He still has to do it by hand, but he, he's careful with it. So, okay. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Obviously, President... Well, maybe, you know, the, white, the the first Deep Impact wiped out the whole internet. So maybe they've not really rebuilt Permanently. That. Permanently, yeah. Okay. They've not rebuilt that. I don't know. Reasons. Mm. So the President's obviously not thrilled with this news, mm-hmm. but he immediately starts putting an action plan together to send a new team into space. Mm-hmm. And Leo Biederman, Elijah Wood, is actually going to head that team. Makes sense. Yeah. As he has done extensive research on the most effective ways to destroy comets. Mm-hmm. So, again, to make sure that nothing like the first instance can happen again. Yeah. So his plan, he has to personally make a landing on the comet and plant a small but enormously powerful bomb at the core, which would destabilise the comet, causing it to slowly rupture and ultimately disintegrate mm-hmm. harmlessly. Yeah. So that's the plan. So he puts together an away team to go into space with him, and this team includes Captain Cam Samji, played by Sean Astin. <laughs> sure. First mate Brandy Book, played by Dominic Monaghan. Mm-hmm. Harry's taking a drink. Ensign Tuck, played by Billy Boyd. Mm-hmm. Chief Weapons Officer Gimli, played by Jonathan Rhys-Myers. That's not even subtle. Not even trying. <laughs> I ran out of thoughts halfway through. Navigator Leo Golas, played mm-hmm. by Orlando Bloom. Mm-hmm. Engineer A.D. Gorn, played by Viggo Mortensen. Mm-hmm. Obligat- and, 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 and Wizard, played by Gandalf. Don't spoil it. <laughs> uh, obligatory Russian, Boris Omir, played mm-hmm. by Sean Bean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and flamboyant retired systems analyst Gareth Gray, played by Ian McKellen. <laughs> <laughs> They nickname themselves the Fellowship, and the bomb is, of course, called Codename Precious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> After a number of misadventures, they make it to the surface of the comet, where Boris Omir is immediately killed by space debris. Great. While most of the crew stay on the ship to make preparations, Elijah Wood has to make the journey to the drill point, mm-hmm. accompanied by Captain Gamgee. Mm-hmm. As they travel, they uncover several signs that seem to point to human habitation on the comet, which mm-hmm. they're very confused by. All right. Mm-hmm. When they reach the drill point... They're even more surprised to see that somebody appears to have beaten them to it, because there's already signs that somebody has drilled down to the core of this meteor. Mm -hmm. So they do some investigating, and Elijah Wood has a horrifying revelation. 
Somebody has deliberately drilled into this meteor and unleashed a smaller but still powerful explosion to knock it onto a collision course with Earth. Mm -hmm. So they're baffled, but time is running out to complete the mission. So they make their way down to the core and prepare to plant precious. To plant, sorry, and prepare to plant the precious. Mm -hmm. When suddenly a mysterious figure leaps out of the shadows and attacks them. Any guesses? Andy Circus. It's not Andy Circus. It's not Gollum. It is, in fact, John Favreau. Mm. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was planning on putting him into my sequel. He was going to be the thing that knocks the asteroids onto course. He was going to be the bowling ball? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I know he's gained some weight, but like... <laughs> <coughs> yeah, no, I couldn't make it work. Right, no, well. Like, he was going to, like, knock a nuke off course or something, and it was all going to happen like that, but nah. Well, like, his body floating through space was going to, yeah. like, uh, it was going to bounce off. Yeah. Oh, that's funny, okay. Um, <laughs> so, my version... Um, Turns out, after he got blasted into space in the first film, mm -hmm. he was able to grab onto a piece of debris and crash land on a neighbouring comet. Okay. He was able to use his scientific knowledge to survive. We're going to fluff some science here. <laughs> sure we are. <laughs> yeah. But he was stranded for 20 years on this comet, mm -hmm. during which time the isolation drove him completely mad. Mm -hmm. He became so filled with resentment that he developed a, a makeshift nuclear weapon to blast the comet out of orbit. <laughs> makeshift nuclear weapon? Yeah. <laughs> hey, he found a way. Okay. To blast the cop out of orbit and destroy the Earth as vengeance to all those who abandoned him all those years ago. Mm -hmm. So they fight and fight and you know, they get into a big fist fight. Ultimately, John Favreau is pushed into the core, clutching codename Precious, which is then detonated, killing him instantly, and causing the comet to begin breaking apart. Sure. Sam and Frodo, because let's stop pretending it's anything else, um, <laughs> scramble back to the surface, where it appears that all hope is lost. Mm -hmm. They share a homoerotic final moment, which is rudely interrupted when the rest of the crew fly down at the last moment to save their lives. Mm -hmm. resulting in a joyous but slightly uncomfortable trip home. <laughs> Back on Earth, Leo Biederman is hailed a hero, and his name is now associated with saving the world rather than destroying it. Sure. And uh, the journalist girl exposes Morgan Freeman. He's arrested and delivers the final monologue of the movie from jail. Because I kind of <laughs> didn't really figure out a way out of that plotline. So. Sure, yeah. yeah. No, that works. Yeah, and that is the end of uh, Deep Impact 2, Deeper Underground. Nice, nice, mm -hmm. yeah. Good title as well. Thank you, yeah. Very good. Okay, yeah. should we do some distance missions? Let's do it, yeah. Lovely. Okay, so... Uh, Sebastian Davis says, Despite thinking it's an amazing film, brackets, and the idea of the lottery system and leaving your friends and family breaking my nine-year-old heart, mm -hmm. <laughs> the best idea I could think of is a sequel of how the world reacted to what was essentially the end of the world. Mm -hmm. now, yeah, I quite like that, people being like, Hey, Morgan Freeman, you told us it's going to be the end of the world, no. and you spent all that money on those caves and stuff. And that was all essentially a waste of money. It wasn't the end of the world. Like, we're unhappy with you. Mm. I, I, I'd like to see that yeah. sort of story. Absolutely. He's going to have some questions to answer, yeah. Definitely, yeah. Uh, Grant Weaving says, Deeper Impact. Mm -hmm. Dave Thurlow says, Pretty sure it had a sequel, but it was more of a shot on video deal that focused more on people having sex. Any idea what that might be? Does he just mean it's a porn? I don't know. Deep Impact? Deep something? I don't know. It sounds like he means that's some kind of amateur porn. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not too not sure. sure. Not sure. Jason J. Delange, great name, mm -hmm. um, says, Too Deep, Too Impact. Yes, classic. Morgan Freeman, I, I think he's, I think this is another plot of Too uh, Fast and Furious. Uh, Morgan Freeman isn't in this one, and Elijah Wood travels to Miami due to being a wanted criminal. He meets up with an old flame, and together they get caught up in a dangerous game of cat and mouse with a powerful drug lord. Mm. Sounds like an interesting film. Yeah, sounds not like a hit film. Sound, sounds like not a sequel to this. Massive franchise potential, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Christopher John Downey says, Peep Impact. Aliens watch from space as shit goes down. Actual line of dialogue. Does Frodo think a bike is faster than a tsunami? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, and that's all I've got. So what have you got? Okay, cool. I have some as well. Drew Miller said, The deepest impact. Everyone left topside during the first impact gets real shitty about not winning that survival lottery. So, yeah, <laughs> similar to the, the s- s- submission you had. Mm-hmm. Rob Farnham said, Lily Sobieski divorces Elijah Wood and goes on to lead her best life. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Daniel Cheng said, Deep Impact 2. US refugees invade Canada and Mexico. <laughs> I guess there will be a lot of refugees. You know? Yeah, yeah, totally. Jed Jong said, Only Gerard Butler can save President Morgan Freeman in <sighs> Deep Impact 2. Meteor has fallen. Oh. Mm. Is that a good Actually, one? no, that's, that's pretty good, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I was thinking, oh, Gerard Butler, not Geostorm, not again. <laughs> but, uh, no, that's that's good, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeremy Kloss said, The child of the meteor is here and it wants revenge. Specifically, it's aiming to destroy all the schools that were named after the shuttle crew that killed its parent. <laughs> Uh, Lewis Michael Powell said, Shallow Impact, a prequel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. John Combs said, The part of the asteroid that missed the Earth the first time round has come back for more, because that's how orbits work. Sure. But luckily it's 120 years later, and humanity has already wiped itself out. It's a very short movie. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, Vanessa Riley said, Impact Deep. This time the Earth is heading for an asteroid, and the alien inhabitants have to scramble for survival. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yes. I mean, it makes no scientific sense, but yeah, sure. Sure, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm liking it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ashley Warren just said, I used to love this movie, and I thought it was so romantic when they got married. Cool. Yeah, yeah. great. Uh, <laughs> Is that sarcasm there? Or? No, I think she means it. Uh, Jacob Adams said, Deeper Impact, Hot Date. Yes. I, again, I think we're going for some kind of porn thing. Yeah. Deep Impact? Oh, I guess. Um. <laughs> uh, Scott Hillman has a real idea. President Beck looks after his largely destroyed world four years after the events of the original film. Mm. He's up for re-election, but with the country mostly wiped out, and martial law in effect, and the markets all centralised, he's worried that he's accidentally become a dictator. Mm-hmm. This is made worse when a new politician emerges who plans to charge him with war crimes as soon as he leaves office. Mm-hmm. The administration pressures him to shut this guy up, but the president wonders if maybe he might have a point. Maybe for the good of civilization, the second deep impact should be on his legacy. Ooh. That's good. Ooh. So it's like Morgan So it's not like my Morgan Freeman's addicted, but in this mm. one he's like morally conflicted about it. Mm-hmm. Should he step down and sacrifice himself? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it. Interesting, yeah. And finally, at Aussie Nerds Pod says, there is another asteroid, and in order to stop it, they hire Bruce Willis and some drillers to blow it up. Yeah. 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 Whatever. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Cool. So those are our sequels for Deep Impact. If you have any sequel ideas for Deep Impact or any films we've done in the past, please let us know. We are Beyond the Box Set. You can find us at beyondtheboxset.com. Our podcast is available on all good podcasting platforms, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. You name it, we're on it. If we're not on it, let us know. We will get on it. And Harry, next week, we are having another Patreon episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. We are, yes. Fantastic. Yes. So uh, our a recent Patreon, a recent addition to our Patreon crew, a lovely man named Chris Scott from the Ask Karen podcast. Sure. He's going to be joining us. We asked him to bring a disaster movie. Mm-hmm. And I'm pleased to tell you, he's picked a corker. We're doing our second trip to the extensive disaster movie catalogue of one Nicolas Cage. Oh, great. And we're going to be watching... See, his disaster movie catalogue is great because he's got disaster movies and disaster movies. Yes. And some might say this is... Some bit of both. Bit of both, yeah. <laughs> so, great. yep. We are going to be doing a little movie called Left Behind. Oh, dear goodness. We, we have history with this movie, me and Harry. We've seen it. And uh, I think there'll be much to discuss. Yeah. I may have seen this twice. Really? I know you watched it with me one time. Yeah. I may have done. I'm not too sure. Uh, well, third time's the charm. I'm sure it'll pick up even more with each viewing. Yeah. I know my parents have watched it. I'm, I'm entirely unsurprised. Yes, they, they, had, they, had a, they had a very good time with I'm it. I'm sure they did. <laughs> 
Yeah, that makes absolute sense. Yeah. Uh, okay, cool. So join us next week for Left Behind. Great. Thank you, everybody. See you Thanks later. See you later. Bye. Bye.